theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for coming. We're holding page 241, close to the bottom of the first column, right? Kuf Chaf Aleph, column one. V'amnam Haman. V'amnam Haman. The line starts, Soivalta Chuli Vidal, period. V'amnam Haman, Liyoj Shiratza Lekabel Ba'atzma. 16 lines from the bottom. Page 241. V'amnam Haman. Now we come to explain the Goyrul of Haman. Liyoj Shiratza Lekabel Ba'atzma. Mepchines Atzmus Eidein Saif. Since Haman wanted to receive himself for himself an energy that stems from Atmos from the core of the infinite one, which is again called in Zohar, the will behind all the wills, the will of all the wills, or sometimes we'll call it that which is concealed beyond concealments. Alkain, therefore, Asa Hakoy Umas Hakdusha Mamish. Haman did everything to prepare for this in a fashion that Mamish literally parallels Kedusha. Meaning, This is what the Megillah says. That in front of Haman. He cast a lot, which the Megillah explains as a goyrel. What is the meaning of this? Why was the goyrel so important? Kaloimar, the explanation is, Haman exalted himself, inflated himself, with tremendous audacity, and a sense of aloofness and exaltedness, which was unique, superior, you say to as the Navi says when it comes to Avedis Kechav, Im Takbi Kanesher, Misham Ayritchan Um Hashem. The Pasik says in Avadia, if you will lift yourself up, if you will soar like an eagle, and the emphasis here is on an eagle, which is the strongest of the birds, the king, the Gemara says it's Melech Sheba Oifus, it's the king of the birds. And it soars, it flies above all of the other birds. Famous Rashi on Kinesher, Yoyir Kinoi Al Gaizolov, Yirachev, or Hashem takes the SS Al Kanfe, Nisharim, I carried you out of Mitzrayim on the wings of the eagle. The eagle places its young on the wings because nobody on top, there's no predator on top. It's only afraid of an arrow. As Rashi says, Mutov, Sheikonisachetzbi, let the arrow come into me and not into the into the young. But the concept here is that eagle has that sense of uh, audacity and, and exaltedness and royalty, so to speak, in the world of birds. So that's why the Navi says, Im even if you'll go as high as the eagle, the Inyan and this sense of exaltedness of Haman, who This is where he's paralleling Kedusha, also above Das, also above Seichel. Al pi Seichel, this type of chutzpah doesn't make sense. It's not logical. He's drawing from a place that is beyond rationale. Vigam l'mayla min And even beyond 
the regular rotsoin of a person. So just as Yim Kippur, the one of the main avoid is the avoid of Goyrol, Bahamon also casts Goyrolus. Why? He basically wants to throw dice. And wherever the dice comes out, that's going to be the day when it's going to happen. This is where he's trying to parallel the world of Kedusha, just like Yom Kippur. The Kohen God will cast the lots, again he throws the dice, so to speak, and makes a girdle in order to determine which of the two goats is going to go Lashem. And which of the two goats is going to go? La Zazel. So Haman, in a similar fashion, in the world of hatred and vile and vile impurity, also throws a goidel, so to speak, suspending his rotsen on the goidel, placing his rotsen on top of the goidel, placing his rotsen on the goidel. Whatever the goidel decides, that's where I'm at. What is the meaning of this? V'chol zehu. This sense of hisnasus, of inflation, of exaltedness, he wants to exalt himself and compare himself to the divine Kedusha in order that he and his plans and schemes should be able to receive energy from there. What is the Balatanya teaching us here? There is the Geidel of Yom Kippur, and there's the Geidel of Haman. Yeah. And the name of Purim is Al-Shem HaPur, who are Geidel, because this Geidel is extremely significant. And this is where you have two things that have the same name. And Haman wants to draw from that place. He wants a relationship with that place. And therefore he throws a Geidel. What is Haman looking for? What Haman is looking for is... Something that's not alpitam vidas, something that's not rational. Let's take it in a person's life, it'll be a little easier to understand. All self destruction that a person engages in comes from the fact that at least temporarily we suspend our rational minds. As the Gemara says in Saita, Amr Ishlakish, Eina the Maiver Avera, Elim Ke Nichnes Boy, Ruach Shtus. There's a spirit of insanity, Shtus folly that comes into a person. When we say a Ruach Shtus, it doesn't mean we don't give excuses and it doesn't look intelligent. It could look very intelligent. But deep down, what's under it all, it's a Ruach Shtus. person is blinded. person sometimes is taken over by a taiva. In a week, he's going to regret it. In a day, he's going to regret it. In an hour, he's going to regret it. The power of cravings, the power of taiva, the power of addiction, the power of bad habits is always do it right now. Don't think about it. If you have a taiva, a great craving, intense to anything, and talk to the taiva and say, let me scrutinize you. Let me think about you. Let me reflect. Let me put you under a microscope. Let me consult with other people. Give me three days. What's the taiva going to say? No, 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 no. Now. Why? Because it knows that the moment it gets scrutinized, boom, kapit, kaput, it's gone. There's nothing to it. The power of a craving, the power of an addiction is right now. It's right now. This is a sense of urgency. 
the impulse is so impetuous, it's so intense, it's that sense of urgency, because it knows that if it's put under the microscope and it's examined, it won't have staying power. Its entire staying power is, it intoxicates you. It's not al piseichel. If you would be, if you would be deliberate, if you would be mindful, if you would be reflective, if you would look at at, sh- at short-term gains versus long-term consequences, if you would examine who you really, really are and what your truest values are, in most cases, it will disintegrate. Mm-hmm. It will have valuelessness. Its entire power is, it makes you a little drunk or a lot drunk. It intoxicates you. It becomes like this euphoric messiah that if I fulfill it, all my pain in life is going to go away. You understand what I'm talking about? Anybody here knows what I'm talking about? Or you don't fulfill the divers? That's the business of these apps for weight loss. Like you yes. Write down everything you eat means that moment of scrutiny. Yeah. Really... yeah. I never think so much about my divers. Well, that's the point. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> that's what the divers want. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mamish like today, you know, in the in the internet industry, all the pop-ups, you know, the pop-ups, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're gonna win if you click here. You're eligible to win three and a half million dollars, and it's gonna take you ten seconds. And if you're not familiar with how these pop-ups work, you know, some people are gullible, and they start clicking, and then they click and click and click, and it takes you to another website, another website. Two hours later, you're somehow entangled in some vicious web, not of a spider, that would be good, but some crazy, uh, foolish, promiscuous websites. That's what it does. It, it wraps me up. You have to be Ed Blanc. Huh? You have to use Ed <laughs> Okay. But he wants to make the $10 million. <laughs> Nobody cares to give you $10 million from a click. Yeah. So you need to block it. If the tyrants if once the tyrants get scrutinized and then they fall apart, then how would you be able to do something amazing? Very good. So good. So this the Gemara says, Avavashana, Nasalai Kaheter, right? When somebody does something and then does it again. Yeah, it becomes like a heter, becomes permissible. In other words, I become um uh mindless. It becomes like just a mindless act. That's just I'm so used to it. It's a habit. It becomes like a habit. It's second nature. I'm not even thinking anymore. The famous vote from Rav Dessler, huh? Justify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In all types of ways, I could be a very intelligent person. Ruach Shtos doesn't mean I walk around climbing walls. It means underlying everything is a Ruach Shtos. It means I shut down a certain critical part of me. So a habit without fun. Yeah. Yeah, what's Kedusha? Kedusha is the opposite. Kedusha is completely transparent. It's very important. Kedusha will tell, you come, Kedusha, Kedusha will say, you want to scrutinize me? Scrutinize me. <laughs> you can put me under every microscope in the world. You could reveal everything that's going on. All the cells and all the particles and all the subatomic particles. You could bring everything to the light. I'm not going to disintegrate. Why? Because its value is essential. It has integrity. So you could put me under the radar, you could examine me, you could search me for 10 years. I'm still going to have the same staying power because its value is not coming from a cover-up. Its value is coming from the fact that it essentially exists. 
That's why the term that's always used in Kabbalah and Chassidus for the opposite of Kedusha is Klippa. So a lot of people who grew up in the circles where they say Klippas, 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 they think it's some strange, weird term. Really, it's an extremely, extremely profound term. The word Klippa means a shell, a husk. Anything that's not Kedusha always relies on cover-ups to make it appealing. Always. It has to. It can't afford to say... I want to expose myself completely. Can't. I have to cover up. Some truth has to be covered up. Whatever the truth is, on whatever level, Kedusha is the exact opposite. Don't we have to cover up yourself? Don't cover up. 164. cover up yourself also. Okay, so that's what we said, that sometimes the clipper could be useful in certain situations. Depends where the person is. But that's the general concept, that there's a Sometimes you need that cover-up. So you're right, a person does it and then does it again and does it again, does it a second time. It says, Nasa like a heter. And if that's what it says, and when you do it a third time, he said, then it becomes a mitzvah. <laughs> he was a balmusser. <laughs> the second time it's a heter. The third time it's a mitzvah. Now it's got a mit- Now you're doing a mitzvah. <laughs> and, that's why it's, and that's why it's supposed to leave us no because that, that there's less cover-up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Noga means there's a light that can that penetrates through the klipa. Which means it's a klipa, it's part of life, of klipa. But it, the klipa itself could be sublimated. It's not so opaque. It's like the difference of uh, of the, the the peel of a grape, where the grape is very revealed, or a walnut, where you don't see the nut, and you have to crack the, the, the husk, and you can't even crack it with your hands, you need a nutcracker. So there's different layers and levels of klipa. And therefore, Haman needs the world of Geirel. The world of Geirel is the world of randomness. The world, you know, apocalypse now. It's the world of absolute chaos. Of the world where there's no rhyme or reason or system. It's the world of anarchy. It's no inhibitions, no borders, no boundaries. The world of Geirel. What's a Geirel? On the most simple level. What's a girdle? You throw a girdle, it's complete. Why did you win and he lose? He lost. Why did I win and you lost? And the answer is, it's random. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no standards. There's no boundaries. There's no borders. There's no uh, ethical standards. This is rooted in a philosophy of randomness. This is the philosophy of girdle. Darkness is as powerful as light. Light is as powerful as darkness. There's no ultimate meaning and purpose, this is good, this is evil, this is desirable, this is undesirable. And Haman wants to draw from that place in Kedusha, which is called Geidel, that we spoke about, it's beyond rationality, it's beyond structure, it's what's called beyond Hishtalshalus, it's beyond the place where the divine energy is more enclosed and therefore... There is a desire for this thing and a lack of desire for this thing. He wants to go to the place that is deeper than everything, than all systems and all structures. And over there, all the systems that are sacred and holy, he believes, can be taken down, can be destroyed. The power of darkness is equal to the power of light. Um, Light can overcome darkness, but darkness can't overcome light. Well, Haman wants to reach a place of Geirel. That's the idea of Geirel. 
where there's indifference. Indifference. That's what he wants. That's why he makes a girdle. He says, now we can understand what the Megillah is saying. Hashem took his machshava that he planned on the Jewish people and he turned it over on his head and they hung him and his children and the Megillah continues. That's why they call these days Purim. What's the connection? The connection is because that's the holy Chiddush of Purim. The Chiddush of Purim is the concept of Geirel. Haman tried to use this Geirel to destroy. What happens now is, we call the name of the Yom Tif Purim al-Shem Apur Hu and we call it Purim in the plural, because there's the Geirel of Haman in Klippa, and then there's the Geirel in Kedusha, there's two Purims here. Al-Shem Apur, even Shalomai L'Miyem HaKipurim, V'achar Kachet Saskim U'Vikiblu HaYehudim. The Jewish people accept it on themselves. Ah, the Megillah continues, V'yemei HaPurim Eilu L'Yavrim Etaycha Yehudim. They will never leave the Jewish people. When it says Purim it doesn't only mean we will always celebrate Purim. It means the energy that was present on Purim, a rishimu of it, a residue of it, remained. The chaisim. We spoke about the seal, the seal in which you imprint your signature. Even though you're gone, but the signature remains forever. So we spoke how in the Jewish soul, you have the chaysim, simeni chaysim alibek, afal gav da azil from zoya. The imprint of the seal remains forever. The chaysim of Purim, the imprint of Purim, the energy of Purim remains forever. That all of the yamim toivim are going to be nullified. <coughs> but on the, but on this, the Chazal tell us, Kol HaMoyadim P'telem, the Rambam says in the end of Hilchis Megillah and Chanukah, right? That Kol HaMoyadim P'telem L'Asad Lovei. The exception is Purim, which is a very fascinating idea. What's the Chiddush of Purim? The answer is, L'fisha Kol HaMoyadim Hein Mepchines Oiriz Shebekelem. All the Yom Tovim represent a certain flow of oil, light, in a vessel. Which follows the order of evolution of the four worlds, the higher Atsilas and the Briyatsilas. But when Mashiach comes, there's going to be a light that transcends Atsilas. The Kalim won't be able to contain it. That's Pshat. The Mayid is going to be in this battle. The Mayid is going to be in this battle. Doesn't mean it's going to be obliterated, it's going to be nullified. If it's part of Torah, one of the 13 principles, it means that the intensity of the oil, so the keli will not be able to contain that light. Purim are days of feast and joy. And as we explained earlier, that the concept of Purim is within the body, within the gulf, within the world. The Chiddush of Purim is that even the light that is beyond the Shtal comes into the Keli, it comes into the vessel, it comes into the container. 
The commission is by Leila Tam, as we explained earlier. Why? And that's why even Lasid Lava, when the infinite Ayri emerges in the world, so we say all the other Mayadim, which were based on a Ayri in a Kali, an Ayri measured according to the Kali, the Mayadim will be bottled because the Ayri will be overwhelming Ayri. So it's like lighting a candle in the middle of the day. Lagabi, that Ayri, the Maya, doesn't have so much significance. But the Chiddush of Purim is. That the Ur Shalamailamishtashl is the infinite light. Purim is rooted in the world of Gaidal of Kedusha. Gaidal of Atmos of the essence of the Ratsan of Kedusha beyond Tam and beyond Das and even beyond Ritsoinus. You're dealing with the Raiva, the Khal Raivan, the core of the mocker of all the Ritsoinus, the source of all the Ritsoinus, which is represented by Gaidal, completely stripped from any reason, from any layer. But this is Lamaila Metam Vedas and Kedusha. And these are the two extremes. There is shtus, there is insanity of klipa, of haman, and there is insanity of, of holiness. And you can see it also in the hatred. Haman comes from Amalek, right? Haman ha'agogin. What's the uniqueness of Amalek's hatred to the Jewish people versus other nations? Why does the Torah say about Amalek? Zohar is ashrasal ha'amalek. Mulchama l'ashem ba'amalek midur der al Never forget the hatred of Amalek. Amalek was the only nation that hated the Jews. Even Ammon and Mayav, where the Torah says, there's a problem of conversion there. There's no mitzvah to despise Ammon and Mayav. Even Mitzrayim, the Egyptians, says, He's your brother. Even Mitzri, third generation of Hashem. And the answer is, the Pasuk says, there's no pre, there's no uh, context to the battle, or as it says in Kiseitzi, we read Parsha Zocher, Asher Karcha Baderech. The word Karcha is a very interesting word. Karcha comes from the word coincidence, Mikra. Asher Karcha Baderech. He chanced upon you. He chanced upon you. Vayizanev b'chakol anacheloshem acherecha v'ata oyef v'yageya v'layori elikim. So What's the difference? The difference is there's two types of hatred. There's a hatred that speaks in the name of rationality even if it's wrong, mistaken, erroneous, tragic, and unjustified. And then there's a hatred that's irrational. A hatred based on rationality is we constantly have it. I somehow perceive in you something that bothers me. I perceive in you an enemy. We have it, you have it in communities, you have it in families. I may be completely wrong. I may be completely a victim of my own insecurities and my own trauma and my own self-hate. But somehow I see in you the potential for enemy. I don't know, maybe you're too loud, maybe you have too many opinions, maybe I feel crushed by you. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Maybe I feel threatened by you. Penyerba. Huh? That's para. What's para? Para is... He said, These Jews are growing by leaps and bounds. They win the Nobel Prizes. They have now taken over the universities. They're in Hollywood. They're in Washington. Yeah. They're in Fifth Avenue. They're in Madison Avenue. They're in all the industries. Their IQ is very high. They're very, very successful. And you've got to be careful. They're vicious. They're poisonous. And they want to take over the world. And look how they go, and look how they grow, and look how integrated they are, and they're going to take over the whole Egypt. 
Was Paroi right? Absolutely not. He was an anti-Semite. He hated Jews. His reasons, though, were rational in his mind. In his mind, I'm dealing here with what we call a fifth column. A fifth column, you're in my art, you're in my country, and you're ultimately undermining me. It was based on false accusations, it was based on on on, on, on fear that was unfounded, right? But it had it justified itself. In Pare's eyes, he was a noble man, he was trying to protect his country. Such hatred is not easy to deal with, but it could be dealt with. Why can it be dealt with? If I could sit down with you and give you a little therapy, or give myself a little therapy, we could straighten that out. Because it's based on rationality. There's another type of hate that is completely irrational. And that's Amalek. The Jewish people weren't living in Amalek's territory. They weren't even walking by his territory. They weren't even walking around his territory. They weren't doing business with them. They were traveling from Egypt to Sinai. From hundreds of miles away, he came and declared war. Why? Why? Unprovoked. On any level. Not even in your fantasy. I provoked you in your fantasy. You're dealing with insecurity and you think I'm your enemy. This is a hatred that's completely, completely irrational. Somehow the existence of the Jew in the world cannot... He cannot tolerate it. If you're alive, I can't be alive. Himmler once said, Himmler Yemashimai once said, that the future of the race depends on one of two things. Either the Aryan race is present or the Jewish race is present. And the two cannot coexist. If we're present, they can't be here. If they're present, we lost. What? Well, why? And the answer is you're asking Why? And therefore, the greatest mistake is you try to appease. You're going to try to remove the reasons. It's nothing to do with reasons. The reasons may come after to justify it. What does a mullock mean in a person's life internally? That's the concept of girdle. So you have the girdle. And it's interesting, right? The gematria of, of what's the gematria of girdle? I think it says Gimel Vav Reish Lamed is uh, is two thirty nine Goyrul right and Goyrul Im Hakoyla what's the Gematria of Amalek Kof is a hundred and Ayin is seventy and Mem is forty so it's two hundred and ten two hundred and forty it's the Gematria of Goyrul Im Hakoyla which means Geidel with the one more number that includes the whole world, that's Amalek. Why is Amalek the gematria of Geidel? It's not Stam. It's also the gematria of the word Rom. Rom. Reishmem. Rom al-Kalgayim. Exaltedness. What does this all represent? There's two types of Geidel. There's the Geidel of Kedusha, and there's the Geidel of Hama. It's a completely different uh, Geidel. Opposite, but it has this uncanny resemblance. Suffolk, too. Suffolk, too. Suffolk is also 240. And that's how Karcha means he chanced on you, he just saw you, oh, let me kill them. And Karcha comes from the word Kur, coldness. He cooled you off. Rashi says there was a hot bath, everybody was scared to go into the bath, and he jumped in. What's the idea of Suffolk? Suffolk means you cast a doubt in everything. 
Koyrol, everything, there's nothing, nothing sacred. There's nothing real. There's nothing absolute. It's a very, very lethal weapon. You see it often in contemporary culture. There's no, you, you can't even speak about absolutes. Everything is a suffolk. You cool off any relationship with everything. Everything is put into context. Everything is uh, questioned. Nuance, they call it. They call it nuance. In the name of nuance, everything gets destroyed. You can't even, you're not even sure if you're allowed to call your child a boy, your son a boy, or your daughter a girl. It, it's, it's very, it's, it looks very sophisticated. And it draws on, on, on sophisticated nuances. But at the end, the person ends up with, with no foundation, with absolutely no core. You can't even say about something it's good and it's evil. There's no such a thing. You're a terrorist as his freedom fighter. You can't even say on a piece of art, this is beautiful, this is... Mm. It means you're not sophisticated. All you could say is what genre it is, which milieu it was produced, what type of mental illness the artist was suffering from, what mood he was in when he painted it. And then, they, I don't know if it's I like it or I don't like it. It's just, it's too complicated. This comes v'hanachash, v'hanachash haya arum. Arum means sophisticated. It's based on this nuance that basically it casts a doubt in everything. This is the concept in a person's own life. What's Haman's Geidel? That's the real, real Ruach Shtus. The lack of any solid foundations. And the ability to be able to tune into a place that really is not rational, just like his hatred is not rational. In a person's life, it means I'm not, I don't have to be rational. It doesn't have to make sense. That's goyrol. doesn't have to make sense. What does he want to draw down from? He wants to draw down the ultimate goyrol. Because in Kedusha, you also have goyrol. What's goyrol? Goyrol is a relationship that doesn't have to make sense. The ultimate rots in Raiva, the Chol Raivin, like we said, goyrol doesn't make sense. There's a relationship. This is who I am. And what's the answer to Haman? The answer to Amalek? The answer to Amalek can't be rational. The answer to Amalek is, this is who I am. This is ultimately who I am. Not rational explanations, because he's tuning into a place that's deeper. That's the Yom It's the celebration of the Goyrel, of the real Jew, the real essence. So he took Haman's Koyach. He didn't ignore Haman's Koyach. He took Haman's Goyrel and Heshev Machshavtei and it showed that the emes is that if you really go into the world of Goyrel, you're going to find the truth. It's not like Haman thought, if I could get God into the mood of Goyrel, then everything is random, good, evil, everything goes. The will for power and the will for purpose is the same thing. Everything becomes the same. No difference, darkness, light, death, life, who cares? We take these things serious, and that's what sophistication sounds like. All morality, as they love to say, is a human construct. For your benefit, you decide what morality is. It's not real. And that's the insistence of certain individuals to try to, so to speak, excavate the truths of science and physics to show that the human and the chimpanzee is exactly the same thing. Completely the same thing, just some fluke. At some point, we developed this weird sophistication that we could build universities and hospitals and analyze chimpanzees. 
right? But what is it about? It's basically about the deeper you go, you'll see that everything is just fake. Everything is just superficial. Free choice is superficial. Morality is superficial. Good and evil is superficial. Everything, anything anybody takes seriously, this is just the primitiveness of mankind who's trapped in this fake world of its own constructs that are biased and tribal and primitive and small and narrow-minded and barely, barely rational. It's completely from my perspective. And in the ultimate truth, randomness is much more real than any plan or any pattern. It's much more real. So since our real deepest Kedusha comes from a place of, oh. of goral and randomness, this explains real, and that's our, our ultimate strength and what makes it so powerful, that also explains why the, these forms of anti-Semitism are the most powerful, powerful and, and, and yes. defeatable, because they come from that same place. Yeah, yeah. It comes from that place of randomness. And the hatred that comes from that place is, is very, very deep. Because it's not completely not about reasoning. It's really not about reasoning. Mm-hmm. And when we get into that place in ourselves, it becomes ve- it could be very, very destructive. It can use reasoning simply in a manipulative way. Mm-hmm. But it's completely not based on reasoning. We will dress it up mm-hmm. in reason to be able to sound more sophisticated. But when that bubble is burst, it's completely not reason. It's complete, complete place of, of randomness, or what you were calling here Rotson. And Haman understood a lot of this. He understood a lot of this. And that's why the Geidel was so powerful. That's why the Gemara says in Megillah Gimel, he threw the Geidel and it came out in the month of Adar. And he was overjoyed, because Adar is the month that Moshe died. What did that mean? Big deal! Any month somebody died, right? <laughs> Which month does somebody not die? I mean, death is part of life. He saw Moshe died in the month of Samach Simchik First of all, he knew more about Jewish history than most Jews. How many Jews know that other Moshe Rabbeinu passed away? Don't even say Chumash. So Haman, what did Haman know? He understood Moshe's estalkas. What he wanted to pravayyot right now. But the pshat is that Haman basically. It's all it's it's all a play it's all a dice it's all a play it's all a game of dice. It fell out on other the day that Moshe, the first Jewish leader, died. It basically means this time the dice fell on my side. That represented something very deep for him. This time around, the dice fell in my direction. It's all random. So Samach Simcha Gdoila. So you have Kedusha in Tam Vedas, based on reason. You have Klippah on Tam Vedas. That's not what we're talking about. But then there's the ultimate core, which is higher than Tam Vedas. Like we spoke about Avram, the real mysterious Nefesh. That's the concept of Goyrul. That's Raiva the Raivin. It's deeper than Seichel. It's deeper than even than all the Ritzainas that have Seichel. It's the deepest, deepest Ratzin that you can't even convey without the word Goyrul, which seems completely alien to you. It's like, I want what the Goyrul wants. Really, what does that have to do with me? And that has to do with me more than anything else. Because it seems like it has no reason. And that's where Haman wanted to draw from. Haman's mistake was that even in that place of Goyrul, the ultimate truth is that there's a relationship, there's a connection, and there's truth. 
But it's not truth based only on my constructs. It's truth based on ultimate reality beyond my Tam and Das. You know what I'm talking about or nobody knows what I'm talking about? He didn't, he didn't know ultimate reality. He, yeah, he was like a, it's like a, like a, you know, like a, a parrot. A parrot that mimics. A parrot that mimics. It uses that concept, but it's not the real thing. It's a copy. Synthetic material, not the real thing. You think that the villain had that same... Uh, Perhaps. Bilam, it says, yeah? But, he, but, he, but he's also drawing that lot on... I did the one which is right before Pesach, which is when Moshe was his... Of course. Other represents that Moshe dies. The demise. There's good days and there's bad days. It's all goyrul. It's all random. Moshe was also born on... That's what the Gemara says. Loi hoyo yoideya. That he didn't know Moshe was born. I checked the death record. Then they weren't into birthdays on the yard sites. He didn't know Moshe was born. What's the big deal? He didn't know Moshe was born. But that's the whole Nekuda. He was looking at it as a game of dice. Moshe died. Okay, great. You know, the sun is going in my direction today. The signs are going in my way. When did it surface the Goro and Jews that the Goro abroad and stuff like that? So how is it related to the Goro? The Goro was a famous Goro that the Goro the used or wrote about. They say the Briskerov used the Goro Hagra by the Holocaust. Wasn't there a girl that was also done by the uh, Yotze Mitzrayim for the Nakba? Right. Very important. So the concept of girl is Goro Yavan Chumash. Goro Yavan Chumash. It says, Begoro Techalik Haaretz. It's just felt to be divided by Goro, and it was a Chiddush. Because right away it says, Lerav Tarbunachalasa, Lemat. You know, you do it rational. Why are they dividing it just all by Goro? It was done rational. The greater shave it got more, the smaller shave it got less. But they had to compensate. But it also had to be goidel. It had to be also be goidel. It was alpi seichel and it was also alpi goidel. Which means the connection between Eretz Yisrael and every Jew is not just rational, it's organic. It's essential. It's innate. So Asama says that Bilam says, it's Bilam, Right? So Rashi says, Meirosh Tzurim, Erenu, I see the Jewish people from their beginnings of history. Tzur, they're like rocks. Tzur is a, a boulder. The Avois, the Imois. The Sasema says, quite literally, Meirosh Tzurim, Erenu, a beautiful taich. I look at the mountain peaks. You ever see the view of Eretz Yisrael? I look at the mountain peaks. Roish Tzurim, I look at the mountain peaks of Eretz Erenu, and I see the Jewish soul imprinted there. I look at the soil of Eretz Yisrael and I see the Jewish soul there. That's the famous vart that 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 Rashi says that when Jews leave Eretz Yisrael, it's going to remain desolate. It will never be able to be rebuilt as a successful region in the Middle East without the Jewish people, as we've seen in history. Because it's not just the Jewish people ended up in Eretz Yisrael. Everybody needs a homeland, so we have a homeland. That's not the vart. It's organic. Organic means it's innate, it's intrinsic. So what's this first part of the verse? I look at the mountain peaks. You're saying you're afraid of the Jewish people coming in and taking over Eretz Yisrael. I look at the mountains of Eretz Yisrael. I see Neshama Yisrael in the mountains of Eretz Yisrael. 
on the peaks of the mountains, I see their imprint, I see the chayson of the Shammah Sisirah. In other words, the Jewish energy comes alive, comes alive to life in Eretz Yisrael. And Eretz Yisrael comes to life with Jewish energy. The girl that led for the Nakba was not as high as the girl that, that we're talking about. Before. Yeah, listen, there's a concept of Goyrel, yeah, but it's still... There's a rationality involved. Yeah, but even when there's a rationality, it doesn't take away from the Goyrel. Even when the rationality doesn't take away from the Goyrel, that means the rationality is an extra layer. It's extra credit. But it doesn't take away. It's just an outer layer. In other words, my deepest rotsin may have a good reason, but the reason is not a determining factor. And this is the ultimate truth. You can argue everything from today till tomorrow in the life. You can destroy every argument. There's no argument that can be dis- that can't be destroyed because logic is extremely pliable, and all logic depends on certain premises that you have to accept. Even the mathematics. It's called muscalus rishonus. There's always a premise that you have to accept. Without that, we can't go further. Which means any logical conversation is based on some level of, of acceptance, of emuna. In any culture you're talking about. Axioms. Axioms. And those axioms cannot be proven logically. Not even the fact that we exist now and we're talking about proving logic. That is also depends on an axiom. And when you live in that world, therefore, everything can be shattered, everything can be destroyed. By the power of Goyrol, that's Haman's power. The power of nuance to destroy everything. For 5,000 years, people thought marriage was a good thing. Primitive stupidity. People thought having children was a good thing. Not primitive stupidity. Today we know better. What is it really based on? It's really based on Taiva. It's based on Afkadis. And it's based on a deep, deep lack of center. There's no anchor. Suffolk, that's what Suffolk is. Suffolk means everything is in Suffolk. There's nothing real. Suffolk means there's nothing real. Mesupik, what does Mesupik mean? I have doubts about everything. I don't know. I can't even say anymore, I am. <laughs> that I am. What's the response, Tom Malik? How do you heal? You can't heal with arguments. You have to heal with the girdle of Kedusha. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is what I want. This is my ultimate truth. Yeah, but you're crazy, you're insecure, you're traumatized. Okay, well, if it's, if it's a result of trauma, then yes, I have to heal from it, because I may be completely distorted. When you go deeper and deeper and deeper, there's the ultimate truth of a person. And that's called Raiva Dechol Raiva. That's called Goyro, that's called Lamaila Matam Vedas, that's called the ultimate Mesir Nefesh. What was Haman's motivation? What Haman's motivation was. There's something about the Jews that bothers a lot of people. <laughs> if you can figure it out, why do two people go into the house of the chief rabbi of Argentina two nights ago, tie up his wife and give him a brutal beating? Why? They don't even know him. They say, because we know you represent the Jews of Argentina. Why? I'm asking I'm not answering. <laughs> so you're smart. Because they have a different right with the whole right. They hate our right with the whole right. And nobody knows why. What happened suddenly? What happened 70 years, 80 years after the Holocaust? That anti Semitism, especially in Europe and universities, has reared its ugly head everywhere. Like, what, what did the Jews do? 
What are the Jews of France doing? What are they doing? And it's not like religious Jews, it's secular Jews, religious Jews, believers, not believers, from Nishfra, it's no difference. It's a Jew, something about a Jew. What is it? What are Jews doing? 14 million Jews in the world. 1.2 billion Chinese. Whoever hears about the Chinese? All we know is made in China. Is that good? That's true. Huh? 300 million people living in Indonesia. Why is nobody obsessed with Indonesia? Why don't they say global warming is the fault of Indonesia? Nobody knows. It's, 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 so this mystery is from the beginning of time. Every Jew uses a private jet. Of course it's because of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly we use private jets. So there's something... This is, for me personally, this is one of the greatest demonstrations that you can't ignore the power of the Jewish people in Yiddishkeit and just dismiss it to another tribal cultural thing. The same reaction that they had to Jews a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, three years ago. The Philistines and the Egyptians and the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Greeks and the Persians and the Romans and the Byzantines all the way up to Stalin and Hitler and the Islamists and so forth, that same emotional reaction they still have today. For whom? For you and you and you and you and you and you. For Pasha Tayyid, what does this demonstrate? This demonstrates the Kedusha in Am Yisrael. There's an expression until the I become wise for my enemies. So somebody once touched me, Oivai if you want to know who a person is, you have to look at his enemies. <laughs> it's a very powerful idea. Tell me who hates you, and I'll tell you. Don't tell me who loves you. Mela, tell me who hates you. You have to look at who hates you. Now you have to ask, who hates the Jewish people? Who hates the Jewish people? When you look at who hates the Jewish people, you know and you don't have to know much more. Stalin, Hitler, Eichmann, Goebbels, in our generation, Yasser Arafat, Nasser, Nasrallah today, Ahmadinejad, Rawani, etc., etc., right? The Qaddafis of the world, let's, let's not turn into, let's not go there. This is chsidis, this is entertainment. When you see who hates you, you don't need it more. People... Who, who, who would kill, murder millions of people without, without blinking. They hate the Jewish people. They hate Israel. What do you need more? In other words, when certain people hate you, it's the greatest compliment. If this man who's ready to murder millions hates me, it's the greatest compliment for me. What do you need, what do you need to know more? If you would see that throughout history, who hates the Jewish people? People who are sensitive, dedicated to human rights, to, to compassion, to morality, to helping the poor, to helping the destitute, to picking up people. Fine, then we have a serious challenge. Who, ha- who hates Who hated us? Rotschim, shakronim, lowlifes, gazlonim, barbaric sadists who killed their own, would kill their own children without blinking. This is the greatest, the greatest badge of honor to be hated by these people. When when Osama bin Laden hates you, <laughs> it means you're doing something right. It means there's something very good about you, very holy about you. 
So the fact that you still say today this anti-Semitism, what does it mean? It means that the same Kedusha that existed by the Jewish people standing at Harsina, and by the Jewish people celebrating Purim, and the Tanoim, and the Amairoim, and the Rishayim, and the Achreim, the same Kedusha exists in every simple Jewish child living in Muncie, or in Borough Park, or in Lakewood, or in Chicago, or in Toronto, or in Teaneck, or in Midtown, or even in Soho, Tribeca, and London, and Melbourne. The same holiness, Mamash. We may not see it, but they see it. You're typhus what I'm saying. What's the Nekud is The Nekud is the Jew represents the Raiva, the Chor the rotsin behind all the ritzainas, that vekas in Kedusha, that's deeper than everything. And evil knows it. Evil doesn't know it. It feels it in the guts. It feels it in its, in its kishkas, it feels it. And that's what Haman said. What did Haman say? Haman said, Mordechai is not bowing down to him. So what's the rational thing? Haman and Mordechai is not bowing down. Kill him. That, that's how I would read the Megillah. That's what I would expect. If I'm reading the Megillah... What what should be the story? What would make sense? Everybody is bowing down to you, including the Jews. Including the Jews are bowing down to you. There's one old man who sits in the corner. Mordechai was sitting with a Masechta Menachas, probably. Right? He had glasses going down. An old man with a Langebard sat in his Gemara. And when Haman would walk by, he would look. And he didn't get up. He went back to the Gemara, back to Taisvis. I mean, there was no Gemara at the time of Mordechai yet, but the concept... He went back, and there's a thousand people in the street bowing down to Haman. But Haman sees that I'm not killing Mordechai. I'm killing every Jew. They told him about the nation of Mordechai. Everyone is bowing down to you. You have health. Comfort, wealth, honor. You're the prime minister of the Persian Empire. There's one old Jew who doesn't bow down to you. First of all, big deal. (laughs) Big deal. Let's say, I'm going to give you a a mundane example. I finish a speech. I get a standing ovation. And there's one guy in the back, an old man who's reading his, his book, and he doesn't stand up. I'm going to go home and tell my wife, this was the worst event of my life. Right? 20,000 people were applauding this one old stubborn guy, yeah, was, was, was finishing his daf yoimi. And he didn't applaud. His wife should say, I'm on you, you need real therapy. This has nothing to do with that Jew. And now I'm not going to kill him. Mela, kill him? No, I'm going to kill not his family. No. I'm going to kill every Jew. What, what, what is this? No, but here you see the whole thing. Whole thing. Hama was not dumb. Haman knew that Mordechai got it right. <laughs> Haman saw Mordechai, he knew that Mordechai got it right. Everybody else is playing a game. Everybody else is just acting. He knew that Mordechai is the truth. He knew it. Two people knew in the crowd <laughs> the truth. Mordechai and Haman. And Mordechai and Haman knew Mordechai knows it. That's why he was so angry, because sometimes one person just looks at you, Right? Everyone is playing the game, but when you go home, you feel empty. Haman felt empty. It's like if I would make up a story, complete lie, and everybody would be crying and overwhelmed, but one guy knows it's a lie, and he looks at me. That's enough to spoil the party. Mm-hmm. I, 20,000 people are dancing. Mm-hmm. 
that one look is enough. You had the Tzalmanish Kebabamaisis. It's enough to go home feeling empty. Anybody who ever does this knows this this game. That's why so many actors get uh, so many actors and celebrities. Yeah, they uh, they overdose. They uh, they become addicts to all types of things. They they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars. The world bows to them. But inside, they can't fool themselves. They know that it's a joke. It's a game. You made a movie in Hollywood. So now everybody is, is, is licking your saliva. And when you come to the Oscars, they're cheering, they're cheering. Inside, it's garnished. And the vase is garnished. The vase is garnished. I'll tell you, I can't authenticate the story. But this is a story I heard. There was a Yid in Montreal, a Chassidish Yid, a Chabad Chas, his name was a Peretz Monchkin. He was from Russia, he was a Fatsaitish Yid, a, a very deep person. I remember him, he died in the 80s, and, uh, and, uh, and there was another Yid, uh, another Yid in Montreal, his name was Rabbi Tenenhaus. He was a teacher in Yeshiva. So they say Rabbi Tenenhaus in 1960 or 1959, he came into the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he said, Where's justice? Peretz Monchkin came here, he says, He wanted to go into you, to the Rebbe. And his kapota was so torn, it was so full, he was embarrassed. So he borrowed a kapota, a frak, uh, from somebody else, from a guy, Rabbi Kazarnovsky, to be able to go in with you like a, to go with you like a mensch. This is Peretz Mochkin. And this guy, Tenenhaus, he was like an open person. He says, and Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe just made $4 million on some like it hot or something, some major film that she produced, and she made in the, in the 50s $4 million. He says, where's justice? This guy's borrowing a capote because he can't afford a, a new a new coat. And 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 this this lady. So the Rebbe told him, he says, Peretz Matskin, Sigatim Nishtan. Sigatim Bakhlal Nishtan. He's a happy person. He's not perturbed by the fact that it's capote. And he didn't even have to change it to come in here. It's fine. He says, and Marilyn Monroe, with all the millions she made, is in 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 Ivanik. In Ivanik. Inside, she's despondent and empty. And he told his tenant now, and unfortunately, in the future, everybody will see it. She took her life, like many others. What, what is this? What is this? The whole world goes crazy. Everybody's looking for, everyone is running to their office. Why? Another, another couple of dollars, yeah? You have it all. Yeah. But like the Balatanya said before, sometimes you can have everything, but you have nothing. Because you don't have the nakuda, there's no core. Haman knew this, but Haman knew even more. Haman knew that it's not Mordechai's own inyan. This is Am Mordechai. This quality of Mordechai not to bow down is not because Mordechai went to yeshiva for twenty-five years and Mordechai is a gone and a tzaddik and a kaddish and a makubel, yeah. And Mordechai learned and Mordechai is an oivad Hashem and therefore Mordechai doesn't bow. Then you kill Mordechai. What do you have to kill a Jewish child in a crib? He gideloyes am Mordechai. Haman understood this quality of Mordechai has to do with every Jew identically. It's the nation of Mordechai. Mordechai comes from a certain type of nation. It's the DNA of the Jewish people. Getting rid of Mordechai is not going to help you. It's not going to help you.
The mitzvah to kill Amalek is not a mitzvah to kill Amalek because we want to kill Amalek. It's basically, it's a form of self-defense. Wherever Amalek is, he is unsatisfied to live. He's unsatisfied until every Jew is killed. That's what Amalek is. And anyway, the times of Haman wasn't Shaykh even. They weren't even Shaykh physically to kill Amalek. It was after the Khurban. The Jews were in exile. Nobody was killing Amalek. Like today. Somebody's killing Amalek. The mitzvah of Deir Deiris is only if you can identify a nation as Amalek. But at that point, it was after Sancheirev's dislocation of cultures and empires. And nobody knows who Amalek is. So the mitzvah didn't apply anymore. So Haman himself, but as an identifiable nation, it wasn't there anymore. In the times of Shaul, there was an identifiable nation, identifiable nation, Amalek. After the Churban by Yisrishan already before, everything got mixed up. There's no, just like today, the Amma and Maya of all these halachas don't apply. The Gemara says, because Basan Cherev of Bilbala Sa'ilam. But we see that certain nations act like Amalek. So, okay. uh, so don't we have a mitzvah? They say that the Vilna Gaon said about Germany 150 years before the Holocaust that there's Amalek there. You could see their hatred to the Jewish people went beyond. Uh, huh? Tam Vidas, yeah. Went beyond Tam Vidas. Haman? <laughs> he believed in him as Hashem. He, he was his God. He became his own God. Hmm? He didn't. He didn't know Hashem. No. You have this even in You have it even in the Jewish world. Sometimes. There's an akud of emes. It's so powerful. You have to do one of two things. Either you mavatl yourself to it, or you have to become an enemy. You have to destroy it. Because it challenges you so much, it doesn't allow you to remain in your metzias and coexist with it. Either I mavatl myself to it, or I have to destroy it. I have to prove that it's, it's a lie, it's false. Why? It's too ser- It's too big. It's too deep. It's too authentic. When truth is glaring in your eyes, subconsciously, not necessarily consciously, it's not consciously I'm going to destroy truth. Subconsciously, in order for me to be a Metzius, you can't be a Metzius. Because it's too MS. As long as you're here, I won't be able to be here. But Mela, I dedicate my life with rational reasons to explain that you're nothing. This happened a few times in Jewish history also, in the Jewish world. Yeah, but it's it's random. Good is not more powerful than evil. What he wanted to tap where? That's what he wanted to tap into. A place where everything is relative. Good, evil, everything is relative. And and from the perspective of ultimate infinity, what's the difference? He no. By him, this was not. There was no evil and good. That's the point. Evil is not evil. Good is not good. There's no boundaries. No differences. 
and, and, and it speaks in the name of a truth. If God is really infinite, so you're going to tell me not to murder, not to murder is significant? A person is more significant than an ant? If you kill an ant, you're not chayiv misif. And a person, we, we're into people, we're life, we're, we're tribal, we're primitive. Why is killing a person different? You kill a mouse, you have a mouse trap. Unless you say Hashem is like a person. So here is the here's the lethal point. When you turn Hashem into this absolute infinity, everything is random. Who cares? Darkness, light, life, death, good, evil. It's like a joke. It's all in our little corner and our orbit becomes significant. That's a deep part. That's why it's dangerous. You see that in New York where they now submit the killing of newborns. Yeah. In late terms. Yeah. Because there's no difference. Yeah. They, they prefer worms, actually. There's a law against killing yeah. worms because it's a... Late term pregnancy. First day, first day, uh, the blood is born. If the mother- or the first day is born, and those who are now said, you can abort the child. What is that based on? It's randomness. Nothing matters. There's no morality. The moment I feel it's threatening my body, my freedom, I don't want to have a baby, everything goes. And they don't realize the Ruach Shtus of it. No, but it's worse than that. They're harvesting organs. And they yeah. Up yeah. Hmm? That I didn't hear about. So it, it's very, it sounds very sophisticated. Eh, you're tribal, it's your culture, it's your faith, you're religiously indoctrinated, you're evangelical Meshuggah. Huh? Yeah. So that's where the danger is. That was Haman's brilliance. Haman was a smart man. He tuned into Geidel. Wasn't the time he made Geidel. He liked the idea of Geidel. That's where he would win. Hafla de Kavart. But the Emes is that Chishev v'napoichlu that in the real Pchina of Geidel there's still Emes. But it's not an Emes that's limited to Seichel. It's an Emes that's infinite. That's the chilik. He's right that there's something Lamaila Metam Vadas, but even when you go Lamaila Metam Vadas, there's still going to be MS. He didn't know it. Yeah, it wasn't such a cheshbon by him. It was a shtickel Hitler. It was it was a type of mahalach where everything is random. It may let everything could go. Rashi said before the building that that Germany is evident. Not Adam, a Malik. A Malik. Okay. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.